I am so thrilled that this team is this team, and they're gelling together, they're coming together, they're learning to be community in all their diversity, and I am just blessed every time to be with them. Greg's doing a great job of keeping the meetings flowing and getting me out of here at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon so I can go home and see my wife that I've only been with four days in the last 15. So I'm grateful for Greg in, a lot, in so many ways and his abilities. I met his parents yesterday at the Northridge Church in, in Mount Pleasant. I did some work Friday night and Saturday with uh, their group. And uh, I learned a lot about Greg Mays. If you'd like to see me, uh, just pay me $5 for my lunch and I'll be fine. Uh, anyway, love Greg, love Greg. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 12 through 25 this morning is the text that I will spend time in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I will respect the time that your stomach says, hurry up, I'm hungry, I understand that. I'll respect that this morning as long as Jimmy Faulkner stays awake. If he goes to sleep, I preach longer, all right? Got it, bud? All right. Let's hear the word of the Lord from Thessalonians. Brother John and I have been working through Thessalonians. It's been a great study. It's a great preaching material for the body of Christ. Hear the word of the Lord. But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you, and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, church. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. Beloved, pray for us. Wow, did you catch all those verbs? I did. Did you catch all that instruction? I did. Did you catch what God himself is willing, wanting to do and will do? I did. My daughter and my wife love to write notes They've taught me how to write notes, and every time I live on a trip, I try to hide a sticky note someplace where my wife won't necessarily see it. Sometimes I hide it in her makeup drawer, so when she's there the next morning, she sees a note from me. Sometimes I put it under her pillow, you know, and say, don't let the dog sleep on my side, I'm coming home. So, some, sometimes I, I, I write notes. I mean, my wife taught me how to write little short notes. I love you, honey, see you, thank you for everything. The laundry was clean. You got the cleaning. Amen. Grateful for that. My daughter recently, I didn't discover this till I'd been on the road several days. She wrote a little note in my Bible. And she said, I love you like a minister loves his church, except for the annoying members, love sister. <laughs> She's got quite a sense of humor. My wife says she's just like me. But I love those notes. 
I love you like a minister loves his church except for the annoying members. 1 Thessalonians 5 has some annoying things in it. The word admonish is not an easy word. Admonish the idlers. You're supposed to be patient with everyone, all people. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. All these things put together. What in the world is this about? Here it is, church. I'll keep it short. Will the Lamar Avenue Church be the body of Christ or won't she? That's it. Will you be the body of Christ or won't you? Well, we're kind of waiting to see what our preacher, well, we're kind of waiting on the elders. Well, we, when they decide, well, I'll just, where'd you get that from? You didn't get that from the book, good book. Because guess what? There's only one mention of those who admonish you and have charge over you in the Lord. The word elders aren't mentioned. It's probably those like uh, Paul's companions that have been staying there and teaching. Somebody has charge over you in the Lord, which we, even, we don't even like that phrase, do we? So, nobody's in charge of me but me. That's because our culture has served us well in America. And I call it the rugged individualist John Wayne culture. I am an individual. Nobody tells me what to do. I'll do what I want, when I want, how I want. I can do it. Anybody disagree with that? That's been our culture, has it not? Our culture, and there's a lot of good things about that, that rugged individualism, that John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and, and Jimmy Stewart orientation to life. However, Jimmy was the kindest of the three, okay? Well, some of you young people says, who are those guys? I don't even know them. They're real cowboys, I'm telling you. They're the real Christians, all right? John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, and Jimmy Stewart. I wrote Jimmy Stewart a letter once before he died. I got a note back from his publicist saying, thank you for your kind words. Have a good day. God bless. I was just impressed I got something back. I always loved James, Jimmy Stewart, didn't you? Good man. But some of you are going, who in the world is that? But here's what's behind the John Wayne life it's a persona and it basically communicates you don't answer to anybody nobody's in charge of you you'll be a rugged individualist and you'll make your own way and you'll do it some point in life something's going to happen that that philosophy will fail you sometime in life you're going to have some death some disease some struggle in your life some loss of a loved one, that your rugged private individualism and your privatization of religion won't serve you well. That has been the American way. And what stands in tension with that is the biblical value of being a community of believers that function together. That's one of the advantages of the search team because they learn to function together among all their diversity. They develop leadership in the sense of being leaders in community. They don't have a choice as a search team to say, you know, if you don't do it my way, I'm out of here. I'm not going to be on this team. Oh, no. There may be times you feel that way and it gets frustrating. But this team is learning to develop their own sense of community. And leadership comes out of a sense of community. So, from verse 14 on... Guess who's talking to? 
Well, you know, the elders need to, and the preacher needs to, and I hope we get a preacher that. Where'd you find that? Will the body be the body? Will the body be the body in sustaining relationships with one another and having the attitudes you need to have spiritually and, and behaving in some ways that show that we are a maturing group of people? How do I know that? Well, there are groups of threes. Paul likes threes. Faith, hope, love. Grace, mercy, peace. He likes grouping things in triads. It's a rhetorical way for you to remember things. And you see it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with the first three words, admonish, encourage, help. Admonish the idlers. Who does that? Church. The word admonish is an interesting word because it, it literally means to put in the mind of a different course of action. It is like a coach saying, son, here's the way you've been doing this. This is the way you've been blocking. This, you're leaning too much to the left. You're giving away which way you're going to rush. It's like a coach saying, pay attention here. I'm trying to teach you not to give away the clues to the offensive people or the defensive people. It's putting in the mind of someone a different way of thinking so that you will function differently. Admonish people who are simply just being lazy and being idle, and it opens up so much in their life. Who's supposed to do that admonishing? Well, I talked to Brother Richard Peace about this, and he still hadn't talked to those people. Where'd you get that from? I don't see Richard Peace's name in here anywhere. I don't see Wayne Kirby's name in, in here anywhere. I don't see Kyle Jones's name in here anywhere. I, I don't see Jay Spencer's name in here. They're not here. Well, of course they're not. It's the Bible and their names. You, you understand my point, though? This is written to the body. These are young believers. And Paul is saying there are those who are functioning as teachers who are in charge of you in the Lord, but here's what you ought to do, church. You don't wait on the elders to admonish. You admonish. You have the quality of relationships with people that you can speak truth to people. Now, here's the truth. If I know you love me and I know you know me, you can say anything to me, and I'll receive it. May not like it, I'll receive it because you know, I know you care about me. If I don't think you care and you don't know me and you just pop off with your nice little judgments and you don't even know what's going on in my life, I'll put up a shield and a wall every time, won't you? That's just human nature. That means for a church to be church, you've got to be committed to some form of community. Now here's where we come into form and function. Form and function. The form that we have this morning is pews and you're listening to one person. So it determines how we function. But what if the form is home group and you do more than just meet or eat? What is your commitment to community outside of just hearing something said from this pulpit? What is your commitment to people in your life that you will get to know and spend time with? Well, we're really busy today. My kids are doing this, my kids are doing that, and we're over here, and we're traveling here, and we're doing here. Maybe you don't really want to be God's community because it's not a priority in your life. You say, preach it, brother. Get them here on Sunday morning. I didn't mention Sunday morning. I mentioned what kind of commitment do you have in your life toward knowing people and building trust and listening and understanding 
That's the only way you're going to have a context where you can admonish. Does that make sense? It's the only way you're going to have a context where you can actually find out how to encourage. Now, admonish means literally put in the mind a person a different course of action. You're asking people to think about what is going on in their life to the idol. And then he says what? Encourage the who? What does he say? Encourage the faint-hearted, mind says. Encourage those who are discouraged. Encourage those who are having a difficult time in life. Encourage those who just don't think they have the strength to go on. Encourage those. When do you do that? You don't do it in here. I promise you. You don't. Because the form that we have here of pews doesn't lend itself to that. In the first century church, the church at Thessalonica was that every church in the New Testament was a home church. Every church in the New Testament. This church was a group of people that knew each other, that assembled together, and he says... Because you are community and you know each other, you need to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the, what does it say? Help the weak. What does he mean by weak? Physically weak, spiritually weak? I don't know, but you know when somebody's weak. You know when somebody doesn't have strength. You know when somebody needs help. When do you do that? How do you do that? So the real question here is, in this first triad, it's about how do you sustain relationships at Lamar Avenue Church of Christ over time other than come, sit, listen, and leave, and call yourself church. I would say that's not God's view of church. I'd say that's not God's view of church. Well, that means to some of you parents, your kids don't have to be in every sport. Let me just talk straight. That means your kids don't have to be in every sport. That means you don't, they don't have to be the best at everything to get the college scholarship that most of them won't get. They don't have to be the star athlete. Only 1% of athletes that dads push ever make it past college. 1% or less that actually play pro. But sports, and I love sports, I, am, I love it so much, I am so grateful for what sports has done in my life. Discipline and character and teaching and coaches that have poured into me. But you've got to think about where are we spending our time and what's our priorities if we're going to function like the body of Christ. Will the body be the body? Well, I'll just wait and see what program comes up with the new preacher. Oh, come on. Come on. Well, I'll just wait and see what the elders do. Then I'll make a decision. Come on. Come on. This ancient text calls us to community. In contrast to the individualistic busyness of the world, doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. Can anybody agree with that? This, ooh, that was weak. Whoa. Is, is it that you don't agree with that? Is it that you don't want the word of God taught? Is it that you don't want to hear what God's word says? This text calls us to community. That means some of us are going to have to make some other choices besides filling our lives with activities and saying, can't do that at church because I don't have time. Won't do that with people because I don't have time. Oh, I don't want to be a part of a group. Oh, I'll just go to church. In other words, I'll just come, sit, listen, and leave and hope that the church is doing better than it was three years ago. Hello, 
wake up, no way, Jose. With all due respect to my Hispanic brothers. We've been conditioned to be consumers of religious goods and services rather than participants in the living, active, dynamic body of Christ following Jesus and being what we need to be. Can anybody amen that? That's a little better. We're getting better. We're up to the 30-yard line now. We've got 70 to go. The next triad is, before he gives the triad, he says, be patient See that no one repays evil for evil. In other words, don't act like the world when you come to Christ. It's the world that says, you did bad to me, I'll do bad to you. You did evil to me, I'll do evil to you. That's, not, that's a worldly value. We're not going to act that way. Watch what he says. Seek to do good, seek to do good, seek to do good. And then he says, the next three, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, no matter what you're going through. Now he moves from relational sustenance, how do you sustain relationships, to the attitudes of the Spirit. Pray without ceasing. Humility before God. Pray without ceasing. What does he say? Rejoice always. These are the attitudes. The attitudes of joy, the attitudes of prayer, the attitudes of giving thanks, thanks no matter what. Wow. And then he adds this. When you're doing that, make sure you don't quench the Spirit. If the Spirit's leading you and calling you, let it flow. Let it flow. Several years ago, I... Uh, had an older woman in the church that I dearly loved, went to college with her daughter, and we were good friends. And for about six weeks, I was preaching out of my head, not my heart. You know what I mean? I was giving good lessons, and I was biblically, I thought I was biblically right. I thought it's good information. I thought it's true. People would say, nice sermon today, preacher, nice sermon. But this lady knew me really well. She was my coach. She walked in, shut my door. Grady, how are you? And I said, I'm doing fine. No, you're not. Well, what do you mean? For about five or six weeks, you're holding back. I'm not saying you're not teaching the truth or preaching some good things, but it, you're just not yourself. What's going on that I could pray about? Your spirit is so bound up there's something not coming through that, that usually is with you. What's going on? I said, well, you know, my wife's been saying that for about two months. She said, I would listen to your wife. She said, something has bound you up, and you're not being yourself. It's not coming through in your heart and your spirit. It's coming through from your head. She was right. She knew me well enough and loved me deeply enough to admonish me, to encourage me, and to help me. Does that make sense? She was willing to pray with me. She was willing to help me give thanks for the gifts God's given me. She was willing to help me regain that sense of joy, rejoice always. And then he says, don't quench the spirit. And she's saying, basically, you've been quenching the spirit in your own life. Tell it like it is. Let it go. Speak from your heart. That's who you are. Why are you trying to be something you're not? 
And then she said, let me, let me have your hand. She grabbed my hand. She rubbed my hand. She put her other hand on top of mine. She said, I'm going to pray for you right now. And next Sunday, I'm praying that the Spirit will take over. Because that's the Grady we need to hear in this church. Monday morning after that Sunday, she called me and she said, I love you. Old Grady's back. How did I get from there to there? How did I go six or eight weeks and just not really, I don't know. I'm a human being. I'm a human being. What helped me get over the hump? Watch this. Somebody admonished me. Somebody encouraged me. Somebody helped me. Somebody was patient with me. Somebody encouraged me. Somebody helped me. Somebody admonished me. She wasn't an elder. She wasn't anything except a person of God who spoke truth into my life. Will the Lamar Avenue Church be the church? Or are you waiting on the ministers and the elders, which is not biblical and healthy at all? Church, be church. Body, be body. But you got to ask, am I committed to that kind of community? Or do I just want to continue to come sit, listen, and leave? So the last things he says, the last trio is, no, quench the spirit. Don't despise the words of the prophets, people that are speaking truth to you. But here's the last trio. Test everything. Test everything. Test it. Put it to the truth test. Put it to the reality test. Put it to the heart test. Put it to the mind test. Put it to the body test. Put it to the spirit test. Test everything. And then he says, hold fast to what is good. If it's good, hold fast to it. And abstain from every form of evil. And here's your prayer, church. May the God of peace himself set you apart, sanctify you, make you holy entirely in your spirit and in your body and in your soul. Being Christian is holistic. It's everything about you. It's not just, I think I'll come like I go to the country club. I think I'll come like I watch a football game. Not really involved, yelling and screaming to the TV, maybe, or in the stands. He's asking you to get on the playing field, folks. He's not asking how much talent you have. He's not asking you whether or not you want to. He's asking you, you belong to me, will the church be the church? Where does that start? It starts. It starts with you. It starts with me. And some days I don't feel like being in community. I just want to be alone. And I need some of those days. But more times than not, I haven't surrendered enough to God's values and I'm letting the world shape my attitudes of being John Wayne. And I love John Wayne. But John Wayne's dead. So when your rugged individualism has exhausted you and got you close to death, who loves you? Who needs you? Who will care for you? Who will share with you? I'm saying the Lamar Avenue Church of Christ will. Give them a chance. If you need to respond to the gospel, come as we stand and sing.